Hi guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, a Mitrap podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Hey, not much, but can't believe it's the end of October. Freaking <laughs> Halloween right around the corner. This is, uh, it's wild. Fall is here. Got Halloween, then Thanksgiving and Christmas, and soon you know it'll be 2023. Wow. And we've been doing this pod for almost two years. 2023, is that right, Chris? 2022. Uh, sorry, 2022. <laughs> I'm, I'm just skipping 2022. I already know it's going to be bad, so I just want to go right to 2023. If we could have skipped 2020, skipped 2022, yeah, some sort of schedule here. I wouldn't mind that. Can we just have some non-election years? <laughs> just pick some years we can skip and just throw them out. Just toss them. Yeah, there we go. There we go. 2020, first on the list. That's for sure. Uh, what are the kids for Halloween? So Patrick finally decided he was. We have a Spider-Man costume that he he we just he just got it. He didn't wear it for Spider-Man for Halloween. Uh, so he's gonna wear that, and then he wanted to be a zombie. Nice. And then he wanted to be a ghost, and then he wanted to be a mummy, <laughs> and then finally, when I was looking up zombie costumes, and they were like really expensive, and they were kind of gross, and he couldn't pick one, so. I was like, you know what? You're just going to be a firefighter. And then he got all excited about that because we have like all the stuff for to be a firefighter. Nice. <laughs> I, I feel like he was showing me some of his firefighting toys. Yeah. And then and so we went and we got him like a new firefighter helmet, like like one that not a plastic one that you get like for free at, I don't know, Chuck E. Cheese or whatever. So like a real helmet. Nice. And uh, he's, been, he's been wearing it every day. So he's really excited. And nice. Mary is going to be Elsa. Oh, of course, yeah, that's hot right now. We went to uh, the dis all the Disney stores are like closing in the malls, so we went and they had a pretty good discount on that. Nice. And then all of our kids have been pumpkins. We have this one like baby pumpkin costume that we put our kids in around Halloween, and so Patrick was a pumpkin, Mary was a pumpkin. Now Adeline will be a pumpkin. I love it. I love it. All right, I'm gonna need some pictures here, as you know. Yeah, you, you we'll get them. We'll get them. We're actually going up to Penn State for um. For Halloween, uh, it's Caroline's sister's twenty-first birthday on Halloween. So, all right, all right, we're gonna go visit her, do some trick or treating, go out to brunch. So, speaking of Halloween, that's kind of fitting for today's episode. Yes, it is covering some very evil, evil people in the Mitrap series. Some ghosts, some goblins, and some ghouls. We're doing Vince's villains. I uh, super excited about this. You know, I don't know if you have Disney Plus or if any of our listeners have Disney Plus. To get into the spirit for Halloween, you know, they've been putting all these Halloween movies on. And they've also been touting up the villains. So, you know, instead of saying watch The Little Mermaid or watch <clears throat> Aladdin, you can just, it, it's just this row across the feed of villains. And, you know, you pick Jafar and uh, Ursula. Nice. And I just, I that would be perfect for the Mitchrap pod series, you know, if, if all of these things were a TV series or whatever, you know, you just have Hank Clark and uh, Rafiq and uh, Louis Gould. Like I, that was, I was just thinking about that when we, we, the kids and I were on Disney Plus earlier. Dude, that's so awesome. This is, this is perfect, perfect this time of year. If I could scroll through on my phone, just like you know, like IMDb when you search like actors and it has like their roles that they've played, just search through all of these characters and these villains and. Get pictures of them. That'd be pretty sweet. I really, really hope that, you know, because we got the gray man coming. We got 
Jack car. Uh, term, terminal Jack cars, terminal list, or you know whatever that's called. Is it going to be called terminal list? I, I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think so. Okay, because uh, that's just the name of the first book, but it's already. I think I think Amazon's already greenlit it for at least two seasons. But um, you know, someone's got to make this. I, I've even heard rumors of the Brad Thor series is is coming. It's coming along. So we need we need something more than one subpar movie with this series. It's like, come on, give it to me. All right, subpar is being very generous. That is a very kind way to describe that movie, <laughs> which shall not be named. Speaking of villains, the movie that shall not be named. Honestly, the uh, better Mitch Rapp movie is uh, White House Down. Yeah, Olymp- <laughs> no, Olympus has fallen. Yeah, no, Olympus has fallen. Yeah, right. not a White House Down. Olympus has fallen. I swear, ever since I saw that movie, I think of Gerard Butler, like his face, just as Mitch Rapp. I mean, I do. I- I'm sorry. Not yeah. Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. Maybe Dylan O'Brien if we're talking American Assassin, Lax Bro, younger Mitch, but I don't know how he... Yeah, anyway, we've been down this yeah. road. We're, we're going to go down this rabbit hole again. I don't want to get there. Yeah. So before we get into Vince's villains, which, by the way, we're going to recap all of the big bads in each book and who are some of the politician villains or politivillains in each book, as we know that was uh, part of Vince's craft. Then Chris and I are each going to give you our top five villains of which we don't know each other's lists. So yeah, we don't. I'm curious how they're going to compare. But before we get into all that, we do have a giveaway. For a sticker, we said a few weeks ago we would give a sticker to the best rap emoji challenge. Whoever could summarize the plot of Enemy at the Gates in exactly five emojis. I don't know how you did, Chris, on Instagram, but I've got some pretty solid submissions on Twitter. I had one that was pretty good, but besides your wife who submitted five shrugs, because I'm guessing she hasn't she hasn't read the novel yet. Um, I had one that was good. So, but uh, you want me to give it to you? Yeah, sure. Let's hear that one. All right. So we got a, a smiley face, a monocle, a sad face, and then an extreme sad face, and then a crying face, which pretty much sums up you know the progression of the book. If 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 you're upset about the ending. Yeah, a lot of sad faces, a lot of those tears. I've been I've been seeing like these people posting on the Mitrap, uh not the Mitrap, but the, like the Vince Flynn fan page. And I really hope people listen to our pod, right. last week's pod and, you know, think about it that way and because yeah, it's it's a I could see how it'd be upsetting, but if you if you truly think about it and if you Look at the arc, you know. Anyways, what 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 was your winners? Right. No, I, I'll agree with you just real quick. I, we're getting a lot of posting, and I've seen a lot of posting. Anytime you mention Enemy at the Gates, just a lot of negativity, and I'm just wondering if these people have had conversations, had reread it twice, gone back to some of the older books, The Last Man, so Extreme Measures. Yeah, I'm with you, but right, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I just hope before you are rock solid in that opinion, you really consider all angles and um, give Enemy at the Gates a shot instead of just having a kind of a closed mind to it just based on one quick read or reaction. But you're right, another conversation for another time. Just, I'm going to sidebar on this one time. This is honestly one of the harder things to do with a 
serialization that uh, of these type of novels that are, um, you know, quote unquote thriller beach reads, you know, like everyone gets them during the summer. This is obviously in the fall, but you know, but these people have been reading these series and they read them once every year. And are they having these same discussions that we're having, you know, like going deep, deep down analysis, they read the book, think about it and then move on to the next, you know, Brad Thor, the next, you know, whatever is coming out next. And I could see in the moment how if you don't remember or, you know, you you haven't read The Survivor since it came out in, in what year did it come out? I have it pulled up right here. You know, The Survivor came out in 2014. If you, if you haven't read The Survivor in 2014 or, or you haven't read Extreme Measures since 2008, you might not remember what the hell Mitch Rapp did, you know, to, to Mike Nash, so... You're probably just thinking, oh, Mike Nash is that really cool family guy who's also a yeah, badass exactly. and is really close yeah, to Mitch exactly. and they're tight friends. But it's like, dude, there's a lot more under the surface there. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I hear you. I hear you. All right, emojis, though. I've got maybe two or three who are contenders for the winner, and I definitely have my favorite. So I've got one. We got a sword, pistol. Test tube, helicopter, oh shit face. I, I like That's the helicopter. I, we got Fred Mason in this book. I, I'm down What's with that. What's the sword, though? What's the sword? Dude, Excalibur's mine. I have no idea. <laughs> Just fucking no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, next one is exclamation point in like a yellow triangle. I guess like a hazard sign hazard yeah yeah for the virus that dude who's like blowing his top the steam coming out of the emoji's ears and like top of its head a ghost a coronavirus looking amoeba thingy and a mousetrap all right all right that one's a little esoteric a little out there a little out there um so that was james davison on twitter shout out to you and ottawa rv guy had the other one with the sword I, th- I think this is my winner, though, the next one. So I'm going with my man Credo at Dan Credo ON1. He's got googly eyes with the tongue, you know, hanging out of its mouth. Poop emoji. Thumbs down. The world. And then money bags. That's that's your winner. You want to explain how how that how that references the book? All right. Well, you start off with the googly eyes because you got Mitch Rapp, Scott, and the DARPA guy messing around with the taser grenade. Okay. You got the dog, the pile of dog shit because that's basically everything in this book just goes to hell. You got the thumbs down because Nash is being played and becoming deeper, deeper into being a mole. You got the entire world because the cooks want to dominate it. Nicholas Ward has okay. all the money in the world. And and then the money bags is, you know, this Nicholas Ward. And so it's basically world domination versus money. Nicholas Ward's got the money, could do the world domination, doesn't want to. The cooks want to, but they don't have his money. They don't have Irene and Rap. And it's all a pile of dog shit. I love it. All right. It was your game, so you picked the winner. There you go. <laughs> Unless you really want the sword together. I mean, just... <laughs> two people I like did the sword. sword. We got another sword, too. Was there? Are we missing a sword scene? Did we not talk about the sword scene? Dude, we got water remember. cannons, crossbows, and now we need a fucking I mean, samurai man. sword. We need a bitch to gut someone with a sword. <laughs> Shit. Oh, man. Would he... Uh, no, not a samurai sword. 
I feel like he would use like a like old like medieval like King Arthur sword, just like a heavy, you know, just a heavy beast of a like sword. a long sword with like a two handed sword or a, a two handed long sword exactly. <laughs> but he he'd wield it with like one hand. He'd like he'd be he'd, so strong he can wield it with one hand. Yo, he'd throw that thing one hand like a friggin' hatchet. Absolutely. Damn. Well, that's our emoji winners. That's our emoji winners. Oh, before we get into the day's pod, I just want to give a quick shout out. We forgot to mention this in last week's pod, but Kyle spent four weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Let's I just want go. to give him all the praise. We love this book. Kyle, you have our support. Keep making good books. There you go. Yes, sir. Keep it up. Keep it up. Vince's villains, like we said, you want to start out with a recap of all the villains from each book, try to determine who was the big bad. That was a term we used to use early on in the pod. Vince would write these big bads and a whole bunch of secondary villains, usually the politicians. But sometimes, I'm going to argue here, the politician would be the big bad. We kick it off with term limits, where I'm going to argue the big bad is Scott Coleman? Because, right. I mean, he's kind he's kind of like, he, you know, before we understand who he is and his motives, he is the villain of this story. You know, like, we don't know what he's doing. He's killing senators, he's killing congressmen, like, giving demands. So, he's the villain. I mean, the other ones, secondary villains, are obviously Stu Garrett, Mike Nance, the president, who... Uh, the president's kind of weak there. Like he yeah. is just a bumbling idiot. Doesn't really know what's going on in his in his administration. Uh, and obviously Arthur Higgins, who you know Stu Garrett and Mike Ness get into bed with. Uh, I think a lot of people would probably argue that you know Stu Nance Garrett. and Garrett and Arthur, like the, the the those three are are the villains of the story. But I'd probably say Scott is the villain. Yes, I think Scott and his actions really drive the plot. I think Stu Garrett is a fantastic character. I don't know if every scene and the whole plot of the book comes back to Stu Garrett, you know, causing the mayhem. He's just this weaselly figure in the background. And Stu Garrett would really be nothing without Nance and Higgins and the president, you know. So they're more of like a cabal of, you know, these gangsters where I think Scott Coleman is really the the one pulling the strings of the plot and really creating the terror with his assassinations. Yeah, and Garrett and Nance and and Higgins wouldn't they wouldn't have done what they did if if Scott hadn't started, you know, his plot. You know, like they were they were sort of just meandering along. I mean, obviously trying to take power, you know, whatever they could from the president. But when they start to become more of the villain like halfway through the novel, obviously what they they do that explosion on um the one senator from uh, Minnesota, right? Right. Uh, O'Brien, Senator O'Brien. The car bomb. Uh, yeah. So like, they're just mimicking, you know, they're, they're being copycats. So, right. yeah, I, I think, and the more interesting story is this redemption arc with Scott. You know, if you want right. to give him a redemption arc of, in the beginning, he's this misguided soldier, jaded, has this whole team, you know, whatever, wants to have these term limits, and then at the end, he kind of wins, I guess, you know, but I mean, he, 
then they realize that there's this other stuff, you know. So I, I think, I think Scott, it really is the the villain in the story. Yeah. And last week we talked about one of the best things that Vince and this series is able to do is that character arc over the long game, like a long period of books. And in this case, Scott was Vince's first villain and would come to be possibly some people's favorite characters to this day. Right. And one of the biggest heroes besides Mitch. So talk about arcs. And I buy it, right? That could be really cheap. uh, But I totally bought it because I think Stansfield was that link. He was able to turn Coleman and make him an asset instead of an enemy. And they brought that up in the beginning. Uh, or Vince did, not they. Vince brought that up in the beginning. Like, you know, when he has these little introductory paragraphs of each character within each novel to sort of reorient the reader as they go along. Right. I think in Transfer, or Scott might not be in Transfer of Power, but, you know, like when we see him in these later novels, or when we first see him after Term Limits, this sort of interaction between Scott and either Irene or Scott and... Stansfield is hinted at. You know, it's not fully explained. You know they, that freaking Scott killed a senator and a congressman. You know, but it's it's and for readers who have read Term Limits, it's it's a you know a highlight. And I think I wish they would have like I don't know, like they've never like said like Mitch have, or maybe I'm forgetting. Has Mitch ever acknowledged the events of Term Limits? That's a good question. Uh. There may be something where, like, he said, you know, some like a conversation between like him, Stansfield, and Scott, where he says like they had a relationship before, you know, he was yeah. there. I, that kindly is vaguely familiar, but if yeah. so, Anyways. it was really, really quick. Like it was a really loose connection that was just sprinkled in. So, right, we we you know we're still missing those six years, the term limits <laughs> yeah. to transfer power, or the uh, excuse me, kill shot to transfer power six years of which term limits is just somewhere stuck in the middle of that, which brings us to our next villain because most likely where Mitch was during the events of term limits and the gap between kill shot and transfer power, he was hunting Rafik Aziz. Yes. He had to have gotten the scar battling Rafik at some point in this window. So, I, I think it's entirely plausible that as term limits is going on, Mitch is really deep into some shit or undercover hunting Aziz. That's probably my single most disappointed thing that we never got right. is the actual scene of Mitch getting the scar. Right. Same. Because it's referenced so many times early on. Yep. And then when we finally get to kill shot, we get the Rafiq Aziz drop and it's like, oh shit, is he going to be the villain in this story? But then he's like, oh, he's not. And then we don't get the next book. Right. Anyways. Right, right. But he comes Transfer on power. strong, man, in Transfer yes. Power. I think I think the first couple villains we're going to talk about here in the actual Mitch Rap books, once Vince added Mitch Rap with Transfer and then the third option and Separation of Power, I think Vince, one of his core strength in his first few books was creating these villains. Yes. Like Rafik Aziz is just, he made your skin crawl. I can remember reading I can I can vividly almost feel the scene of him sweating in the oval, deciding if he's gonna make his move or not. Right. Like he's so when you're inside Rafik Aziz's mind, it's like a psychological thriller. 
And that's what makes it even cooler when you get his name drop in Killshot. Yeah. You know, but anyways. The other sort of secondary players in Transfer of Power, we have the Attorney General Tutwiler and the Chief of Staff of the Vice President, uh, Dallas King, and the Vice President, Sherman Baxter. You know, these are definitely minor characters. Again, I would argue that they're sort of, they latch on, they're reactionary, they're, you know, reactionary villains to the, the plot that's happening at the White House. But yeah, Rafiq Aziz has got to be the big bad in this, in this part. Yeah, since you mentioned Attorney General Tutwiler, though, I think for this being the first Mitch Rapp book, she plays a really important role in the way she's set up to stand pretty much in Mitch's way and just be against Mitch's approach to everything. And I think by creating her as a character, you really get the sense of what Vince is trying to say. Like, he he does not pull his punches when her and Mitch go at it. And when mm-hmm. she's responsible for the loss of, I think, one of the hostage rescue teams that they send in to negotiate, and Rafiq obviously doesn't hold up his end of the bargain and she's like right. shocked that what you can't negotiate with a person like him and Mitch is like you don't need somebody with a degree from wherever she got her degree from Harvard Mitch comes in and is like you need someone who understands the mentality of the modern Middle Eastern extremist and the fundamentalist right. and Tutwiler is all like wanting to play the academic game of you know, the, the soft expectations of if you understand them and if you reach out and if you dangle the carrot and Mitch is like, no, we need a freaking stick. We need a Teddy Roosevelt big ass stick, you know, to deal with these people. And Tutwiler yeah. like freezes. I remember she like physically is in shock and freezes. Who's the better attorney general, her or Martin Stokes? <sighs> I didn't like that when we get there to Stokes and who was yeah. that lady? Peggy Steely? Peggy or... Steely. Yeah. Yeah. That felt like a something that Vince was really strong about, and then he just completely, you know, because like, she comes back, I think, in Consent to Kill, and she's just like a completely different character. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. we, anyways. All right, so we got to speed these up. The third option. Big one. We get probably one of our biggest villains. Big one. Uh, I think the big bad in this one is obviously Senator Hank Clark. Oh, yeah. With his underlings, you have... Uh, Albert Rudin, the congressman. Like, I just, I remember reading those, like, the stories and, like, him in, like, the bath or, like, the spa at the Congressional Country, Country Club. Club and, yep. and what, he gets, does he get thrown out the window? Is he the one that gets thrown out the window? So, Rudin, yeah. So, I think we have to put these together because you've got third option where you're starting to see. power. Right. You're starting to see that Hank Clark is this really Machiavellian, behind-the-scenes pulling the strings kind of guy, but he's not overtly doing anything bad in yeah. public. And I think in, in the, the third option, persona, I guess the main one is the Peter Cameron, the professor, the professor, right. right? Because the professor was supposed to be following rap in the woods outside of the right. count's house in Germany. He hired the Jansons. He was the one who's supposed to clean up loose ends. And remember that scene where he actually thinks he's better than rap hunting. Him oh in yeah. The woods? And Rap was like, bullshit, I knew you were there the whole time. I had tabs on you following me. So I think Peter Cameron, a little he's, aloof. He's like a wannabe Louis Gould. He he pretty much is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Hank Clark's pulling the strings. He's getting Rudin to do his dirty work. 
So I think he's set up as a really cunning politician, which in Vince's mind makes him a really good villain for being such a good politician. And we're going to see him do some pretty bad stuff by separation of power when he blackmails Mitch by getting the file with Congressman Rudin. And he convinces Rudin, he manipulates him to go on TV and out Mitch so that Hank Clark didn't have to do it. Yet he can go to the committee rooms and play the angry politician who is just floored that this could even be happening, that we have secret assassins doing black ops illegally. But he secretly fed the information to the media with his lapdog and then tossed him out the window. Right. And then we we get one of our first like CIA. Vince does this trope a lot where like he has someone in the CIA who he doesn't really uh, like. Yeah. Um, and this Jonathan Brown character. I don't remember much about him, but I remember there being, you know, this character where, you know, we'll see it later on in uh, which book? I think oh, well, leaked. we'll get freaking the deputy director in Killshot. And right. I, he leaked like, the information, you know, right? Right, right, right. Jonathan right. Brown gave the dossier to one of Rudin's guys. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously the other person we get in this novel who overtly in both separation of power and executive uh, power, mm-hmm. but he's also sprinkled out, you know, either referenced or, you know, a single chapter here or there, but Ben Friedman. Right, right. This powerful leader of the Mossad. Yeah. Um, good character. Who, good character. Really good character. Really good character. Often forgotten, though, I would say. Yes. He falls by the wayside when you think of Vince's uh, side characters or like mini villains. Yes. But I think he's, you know, until they like turn on him, like, you know, uh, Irene, I forget what book it is, but Irene really, it might be executive power, but Irene really like turns on him and puts him in his place. Yep. Uh, it may even be later than that. But um, executive power is the one with Donatella. Yes. We, yes. we first get her in separation of power and then we finish with her in executive power. Which is the one where Mitch brings her home after she's knocked out or passed out and Anna gets mad at him. Oh, is it? I, I want to see. Exec- that's got to be separation of power. Sep- that's got to be separation. Uh, I think it is separation. Because executive right. is where they go to um, the Philippines. Philippines, yeah. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Which is another Ben Friedman one. So we do get a little arc with him. And he comes up later, I think, in a in a side story. He does eventually get kneecapped by Mitch. Um, Ben Friedman's trying to play Kennedy, trying to hold back, like pretend to share intelligence with her, but also holding back. And then there's that weird thing, also in executive power, he kind of is in bed with this David or Jabril Katabi. Yes. Where he's kind of using him as an asset and he tries to bomb him. Like, remember, he launches that attack in like Hebron or some Israeli or Palestinian city. But yeah, David survives. David goes and meets with like all these leaders of Hezbollah. Right. And, right. Yep. So executive power, I couldn't pick a big, big bad. If we've had Rafiq Aziz and Hank Clark as our big bads so far, did executive power have anybody? I think it's. I think this is Ben's book. Like ben Ben's Friedman, time yeah. to shine. But then we learn the Saudis in the background are funding right. and fueling a lot of this. And that's the book that ends with Mitch in the limo turning over the info on that Saudi prince, Omar. Right, Prince Omar. And actually giving the info to one of the Saudi princes that he likes. Right. Anyway. I mean, I guess guess David, or Jabril, his real name, he is, it's kind of like in 
term limits where like, or oh, sorry, kind of like in, in the third option where the professor, he's like the professor doing like most of the work and is like the main villain you think, but then actually there's these other, you know, players that are motivating him throughout, whether it's Ben right. Freeman trying to, trying to manipulate him or the Saudis, you know, ultimately trying to, to trying to manipulate him. So, right, right, right. Yeah. All right. Um, that takes us to a very memorable villain, again, for that creepy factor, Al-Yamani, Mustafa Al-Yamani in Memorial Day. Do you remember that opening scene with him on the boats? Yes. Trying to land in the swamps of, like, Florida and get into the country? Yeah, I, I remember, I really liked him as a villain, but I wanted more right. of him. Well, he was it's dying kinda, the whole time. Yes, exactly, because of the bombs and... and uh, the radiation. We also get like his his like side guy with Zubair, right? Right. And I think in the end he he kind of died like as a kind of like a, a wimp. Like his death scene wasn't that fulfilling for yeah. me. Um. So spoiler alert, he's not in my top five, even though he's a very cool, interesting villain. Really interesting. Oh, I can't wait to Sorry. wrap this up with our top fives because I thought he at least in the creepy factor. And if you think of like. A terrorist who's going to run a cell that can get a bomb to the United States and get very close to detonating it. I think Al Yamani is crafted to be just that persona. He's radical. Mm. He's intense. He's a zealot. He's a leader of his people. He definitely has the sheep who will follow him anywhere. Like, I thought he gets under your skin in just this personification of the modern terrorist leader of a cell that could could theoretically penetrate the u.s with a nuke so i thought great character it's hard we only had five spots so it's only top five i can't i can't wait to get to that and once like you said uh attorney general martin stokes and peggy steely who he had this kind of relationship with but basically the politicians in the background who are trying to screw up everything mitch is trying to accomplish Vince does this often. You know, they're not the direct villains. They're not like even they might not even be trying to do something wrong, but they inevitably end up fucking something up. You know, they they basically a bunch of people stand in the way of the CIA and the intelligence business doing what it needs to, which leads us to consent to kill, because obviously we've got the big bad. We all know, we all infamously, I guess, love Louis Gould. But on the CIA end, that's also when we meet Director of National Intelligence Mark Ross, who he's going right. to play a big role for a little while. He is. He is. And his death scene is fucking awesome. Wait, I don't even remember. <laughs> it's Irene's only, like, confirmed kill in this series. Oh, right, Like, right, that right. she actually does. I mean, obviously, she, like, orders Mitch to kill people. But, like, she puts – remember, she puts the, the – the poison in the tea or the coffee in the president's Oval Office. Right. I, wait, I thought she also killed a vice president. No? No, she doesn't kill Oh, he was angling president. for... Oh, there was no vice he, president. He, he might have been... No, he... Yo, he was the vice president. He was going to... Uh, vice president-elect. That's right. Right, vice president-elect. Because active treason was the hit on the motorcade. Yes. it that I think that happens in protect and defend he might be he might go through all of them hmm but you're right kennedy does get the upper hand on him big time yes he also is trying to play like i'm gonna clean up the cia you know wear my big boy pants boss people around 
be a little bitch. And Kennedy and Rap definitely put him in his place. Yes. All right, but this book's got Louis Gould, man. That's the yeah, big I mean, bad. I mean, there's there's some other players. You got Eric Abel. You got um, the Prince Mohammed bin Rashid. You know, there's there's Petrov. You know, the Russian. But it, it, it's it's all about Louis Gould. It was and, Abel and, and Petrov who hire Louis Gould, right? They have that conversation about we need a top assassin because all the Saudi money that yeah, the Saudis gave to Saeed. Muhammad, yeah, it's it's the Saudis are trying to get oh. Mitch killed. Saeed was the guy who lost his son. Mitch killed his son in or no, Mitch captured his son and tortured him in Memorial Day. And Saeed yes. goes to the prince and says, "Can you hire Hitman?" Prince turns to Abel and Petrov. Yes, there we go. And that's yes. how they. And actually, I don't him. think Ross Ross might not be in this book, um, but he definitely comes. He's, he's the main part of Act of Treason. Act of Treason that's right. and Protect and Defend. That's yeah, right. That's he he right. dies in Protect and Defend. Yeah, that's right. Okay, Dark Horse here. Not saying he made the top five, but Act of Treason, I kind of like the man with the red hat, Gavrilo Gazic. I feel like he's Ooh. Louis Gould light. He's like the, the Serbian slash Yugoslav southeastern European version of a Louis Gould. Not Mr. French, not Mr. Foreign Legion, but like he's the B-list celebrity of assassins like i'd hire him for a, you know a medium to small job if you a know. better version of him is grisha right a, a better true 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 so yeah no he's I, I you know when you mention his name i remember that story i remember the red hat but like i just don't think of him as that memorable of a villain no he wasn't and he was only in one book for some reason though that scene in limasol cyprus Going through this apartment building, climbing on roofs, you know, jumping roofs to roofs. It just that was a, that was a cool scene. It stands out to me. So I, I that's what I'm saying. He's like the B list, yeah, of assassins. No. Yeah, very true. And then we obviously we have the whole Cy Green, Ross, Stu Garrett trio. Very very reminiscent to the a trio, including you know Stu Garrett from Term Limits. Right. Uh, you know these three people who want to you know get into play with the president. So. Pretty cool callback to bring Stu Garrett in. It is this this one is like Stu Garrett. You know, for our uh, term limits heads out there, to to Vince to bring him back that that was pretty cool. And, he and then obviously his his next the opening scene to protect and defend is his death. He's which is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after Rap is having a little rendezvous, let's say with Agent Rivera. Yeah, which never went anywhere. I, I wish he I wish he stayed in the books. Although, uh, was it, it was one of the recent books we did, there was a drop that Rap had a fling at one point with a Secret Service agent. No, you know what? Kyle puts it in, I started the next one we're going to do, Order to Kill. Oh, he references He has a little kill. drop that Rap had a fling with a Secret Service agent at one time. And I was like, boom, Rivera. Again, it's a continuation of those things we picked up. Kyle was trying to show that he did the research. Right. He at least read the books and understands the story, you know, to to make these callbacks. So, right in Kyle, we trust. Uh, Cy Green was a little weird side plot in Act of Treason. He was that guy who wanted to pardon. pardon he was like some rich New York creepy something something millionaire. Liked, he had to uh, like he had to leave the country. So then he goes to Ross and is like, Ross, I want to get back into the country. Ah, that was a little side plot. I don't know. He was very like very into, like the sex things. Like it was. 
that was that know. creepy weird sex act of treason not one of my favorite oh novels. that sex show he was putting on he's like come up to my apartment you're right yes i feel like that was a kyle scene this little like quirky new york <laughs> yeah. city edgy you know but it's uh, yeah in in europe somewhere yeah yeah oh yeah yeah right 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 I just think of Cy Green as like his typical New York Jew for some uh, reason. But I think he is a New Yorker. Like, yeah. But he's ha- he has to live in, you know, true. What it, uh, lives in like uh, where you, uh, Switzerland. He's, yeah, where you keep all your money. That's right. He's persona non grata. Yep, and lives in Switzerland. Our protect and defend things take a little bit of a turn to Iran. Yes. This is when the nuclear facility gets hit, right? Correct. Okay. And the president of Iran was the bad guy, Amatullah. And he's working with the Hezbollah terrorist, Mukhtar. Mukhtar, yes. pretty good. Again, if you're talking a model, modern Middle Eastern terrorist, you know, not Al-Qaeda type stuff, but more of like local politics, trying to influence change of policy in the whole Israel-Palestine-Iran conflict. I think Mukhtar plays that role real well. Yeah, again, like these uh, two villains that we only see for one novel um, that are very compelling, uh, told a good story. Yeah, I mean, I have no like problems with them. They, they, did they stand out to me? Right. Not not a lot. But yeah, no. in, in the moment, in the book, like, the Protect and Fen, like I, I saw in one of our uh, things, someone said Protect and Fen, best top book right like, whoa that's that's a bold statement right there i saw that on the facebook group too best vinsulin book i'm like whoa i haven't seen that though it's a good book but there's something to that if you're into the international political thriller like protecting the friend I mean, getting taken and yeah there's a lot with like iran the nuclear facility i i feel like that would be a good that's like a Brad Thor book. That might be one of the closest Vince books to being a Brad Thor style or written type of book. That's a good one. Yep, yep. Not yep. gonna lie. All right, let's lump these two together. Extreme measures yeah. and pursuit of honor. Yeah, so the first one, obviously, we love this book. Pursuit of Honor. It's a little like uh Roman in the Woods of Iowa with our two terrorist friends, but um, you know. They 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 were very convincing in extreme measures. You have Kareem and Hakim, yeah, who you you had mentioned before with Mustafa Al Yamani getting a, this bomb to United United States. Uh, Kareem actually succeeds and you know sets off multiple bombs in the United States in D.C. Not nukes though, uh, not non nukes, obviously, but car um, bombs, very heavily loaded car, bombs. very heavily dirty bombs, and. I guess what a dirty bomb has radioactivity, right? Yeah, I think so. Anyways, he takes out the Hawk and Dove, one of our favorite establishments. Yeah, they kill quite a number of U.S. government officials. Really do. Some people in the cabinet level, some senators. That's that's a successful attack. And they plan that attack on the JCTC. Right, right. And, and pretty much are successful, except at the last minute. Yeah, if it wasn't for Rep and Nash being there to... To do that, they would have taken out everybody. Yeah. So Kareem, oh, and Kareem is training those guys down in South America. There's that down whole in South sequence. America. Yes, yes. So Kareem is is he's definitely the first like big bad we've had in a while. I mean, multi book big bad planning and successfully carrying out these attacks. 
like I, he's pretty big in terms of he would definitely be on like top list of like people who have hurt America. Yeah. And I think he probably would have got away for it, away with it too, if he didn't become right, uh, you know, like crazy towards the end of Pursuit of Honor and take Nash's kids and and you know take Nash's kids and, and if he had listened to his friend Hakeem, you know, right? Hakeem eventually redeems himself by calling in, kind of the tip, yeah, like as much as you can for being a mass murderer, <laughs> right? But I remember that also being a deep psychological analysis of Hakeem's transformation. Yeah being almost afraid himself of Kareem's radicalization and basically getting away from like their childhood dreams of make the world a better place by attacking America. And Hakeem's coming to realize like that worldview, maybe we were brainwashed. Right. Right. Yeah, no, it's, they're, they're, they're very good villains. I like them. We also get a decent, pretty good Polita villain. That's secondary Vince Flynn style villain with Senator Lonsdale yeah. and Glenn Adams. Both kind of typical Vince characters of Lonsdale on the, I think, the Senate Intelligence Committee and wants to basically expose everything, really have Judiciary. She's on the judiciary. Judiciary. Yes, yes, yes. And she gives it up to become, right. and ultimately she becomes an ally. Absolutely. Of, of Mitch. And she's even, she was in like uh, yep. the one we just read, uh, The Survivor, right? Right. So... Because she's at man, the JCTC. She witnesses Nash and Rap save yes. her life and save lots of lives. And they give her the ultimatum, say, like, you can stay in our way and attacks like this will continue. Or you can get out of our way and let us do our jobs, which you just saw we're pretty damn good at. Right. Yeah, she's a good, you know, foil in the first one. And then you, you see her switch to the good side, which yeah. I liked. And then Glenn Adams, he's, you know, this piece of shit. He, he, he's the one that... um I guess ultimately kicks off this where we see the culmination of it in the most recent book, the, uh, this tension between Mitch and, and, uh, like Nash, you know, Mitch obviously wants to gut this traitor. Nash has some reservations. Yeah. So this is, this is where it all kicks off, you know, this, yeah. this sort of dilemma. And at the end of this book, we have Mitch outing Mike Nash and, right. and putting him into the spotlight. So, and Nash is like, we can't just torture and kill in a black site the CIA inspector general. He's like, Mitch, right. I'm all about capturing terrorists. And you and I, we got our one-two punch kind of interrogation, good guy, bad guy thing down pat. We don't do that to our own. And Mitch is like, hell yeah, we do it to our own if they're traitors and sold us out. Let alone the inspector general of the CIA. Right. Who's supposed to be the watchdog stopping this stuff. I mean, I kind of can get Nash there just a little. Um, just just a little. Just, just a little. little. But anyways. All right. So we're almost we're almost to the end here, but we have American Assassin and Kill Shot, where we jump back in time. I would say American Assassin, you know, we obviously have uh this um you know, Sharif, Mitch's first kill. We have Syed over in uh, Lebanon. And, you know, the other players that, that are present in Lebanon, which I think, like, Vince actually pulls, like, real-life right. terrorists at the time. Uh, there's the one guy who's in charge of Russia, what, um, or in the, the, the KGB or whatever. Uh, Ivanov. Ivanov. Yep. Ivanov. And then I would argue that Victor begins to emerge as a villain here, because, True. especially on the farm. 
and obviously that is continued and I think he's the one of the main villains in Killshot. Uh, you also have the trio of Max Fournier, or sorry, Max Vega, Paul Fournier, and um, Paul Cook, who f- is Paul giving Cook, away yeah. CIA secrets to Paul Fournier, thinking they're sharing intelligence. Right. But, As the deputy director of the CIA. So Fournier is a decent villain. He's not around much. He's a good foil to who's that that lady that the DGSE agent oh yeah who's i forget her name really really good but fournier is like toying with her and he has you know a history of sexual abuse so he's really he's he's crumb like he's he's terrible but a decently written character for the role he had to play yeah but yeah you're right victor chet bramble the backstory we get on chet bramble yes and then mitch in that scene at that apartment complex taken out or chasing chet like yeah, good stuff there. Another thing we never got. We never got him finally killing Chet. Right. You know you know he would have killed him. Right. And Vince's last villain, last big yeah. bad, Joe Rickman. Who obviously continues to be a villain in uh, Kyle's first book. Right. But in The Last Man, awesome villain. You know, we don't know he's the villain until halfway through the through the book. We think he's just this, you know, innocent bystander who gets captured. Uh, one of the great twists in one of Vince Flynn's novels was, right. you know, learning that he's right. actually, you know, part of this whole thing. We actually find out that, you know, a couple, I think, like, is um, one of his other station chiefs in, uh, where are they? Afghanistan? Afghanistan, yeah. yeah Afghanistan is, is, is with him. You know, there's a bunch of other, you know, different players. Uh, and then there's also, like, these minor, you know, characters in the State Department in, the military who and Senator Ferris and, you know, we get Louis Gould brought in. Um, he's not quite the villain yet in this novel. He becomes a friend of Mitrap. Um, so Joel Wilson of the FBI. Yep. Of the, who FBI. wants to look into yep. these guys and have, make a case against them. This one has a lot of little mini, right. mini villains in, right. in like each of the departments. We, we see, Ariana Vintner, State Department. We see, right. uh, you know, Louis Gold. We see Senator Ferris in, you know, obviously in 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 the Congress. We see Joe Wilson in the FBI. You know, like right. at, at every single intersect of intelligence, we see where it could go bad, and it's kind of cool here. But and obviously Rickman in the CIA. Yeah, but I remember the last man standing out for the complexities also of the Middle Eastern agencies as well, because General Zahir is former Taliban, but we right. put him in charge of the Afghan army, and he's, he's playing both sides. Then he's kind of in cahoots with the ISI, because the ISI's got their people on the ground trying to also get former Taliban, you know, to fight Correct. the Americans and, and antagonize them. And the leader pulling the strings from the ISI perspective is Durrani. Durrani. And there's a great kind of dichotomy between Durrani as the bad ISI guy and one of his colleagues Ashan I, I mess up Ashan and Ashani but there's also a there is an Ashani in I think Ashani is protect in protect and defend protect and defend this one's Ashan yeah well anyway there's two guys Ashan and Ashani both kind of want to work with the CIA yeah no they're both they both play a very similar role too which right. is kind of funny 
I think one is a uh, Iranian who works with the the CIA and and a good relationship with Kennedy, and then Ashani of the ISI also has a good relationship with Kennedy and wants to work with them and doesn't really want to face down someone like Mitch. Yeah. Who that is Vince's villains. There they are. All right, it's time. We got to rank them. We got to rank them. All right, so we'll go. Well, all right, five. How about we'll we'll start with five. Start with five. And I'll give mine. So for mine, so this was really hard. And I had to give some love to some of these secondary, not like the main part of the book villains, Mm -hmm. but some really good secondary villains. So I did a three-way tie. I did a little cheat. Three-way tie for my number five. And I have Ben Friedman tied with Victor, tied with Scott Coleman. Ooh, okay. Whoa. All right. Okay. Because I just just feel like, you know, Victor, while he is the, a really good villain, he's not the main villain. Again, Ben Friedman is a very good villain, but he's never the main villain. And then, you know, we said Scott was the main villain of Terminus, but he's really not a villain. But I think each of those individually are very good characters that I had to give love to. So Okay, okay. Well, I did not cheat. I have no ties. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. I was straight uh, up. I, this is my own, this is my only tie. This is my only tie, and it's at the bottom, so I had to do. That's it. true. Uh, yeah, but I did. I did have a tie on honorable mentions, so I got a couple of okay. honorable mentions who who would be in that six, seven, eight slot. But we'll we'll get there. Uh, my fifth, like I said before, I like Al Yamani Memorial Day. Al Yamani, he is just a that was that was a hard cut. That was and a hard Zella. cut. Yeah, he he made the list for me. So our right. number four. All right. All right, so number four, I gotta go. Is it people are probably gonna kill me for this? But Rafik Aziz. Whoa, uh, that I'm low. Him in number four. I'm putting him in number four, oh. and I'm only putting him in number four. What what I think hurts him is the fact that we don't we see him pop up again. I think he would be higher if he was only in transfer, transfer power. Yep. If he was just in transfer power, I probably would have him higher. But because I get that little tease. In kill shot, and I don't see the culmination it lets of it. You down. Yeah, it, it lets me down a little bit. So I'm, I'm, and that's you know, I guess it's no fault of, of Vince because I'm sure he wanted to write about it. But right. you know, we ha- this is what we have. So number four for me, dude. Opportunity though, I think if there is a post kill shot book written at some point and it involves the hunt for Ravikasis, that book has a chance to be phenomenal. And to put Ravi, Rafik in definitely the top one or two slot for oh, villains. Oh, yeah. If for, we for see that sure. scar scene. For sure. Yeah, because we would have him now. And again, spoiler alert, my top three are all characters or villains that were the top character for two books. I You had, in order to be a top villain, you had to be two books. You had to stick around. Right. You, your, yeah. your story arc couldn't be just wrapped up, you know, in one. In, that was one my city. other problem with Al-Yumani was the fact that he, sure. while he was a very good character standalone yeah and uh the other one who i thought was really good was like the the whole iranian and and hezbollah stuff but again one book it's like are you gonna pick mukhtar are you gonna pick amatola are you gonna pick ashan there's like so many of them that they kind of blend together yeah yeah all right fourth spot for me because it meant a lot to vince to have these crappy politicians and politicos i'm going Stu garrett Whoa, Stu Garrett. He's a good villain. Stu Garrett's a great villain, and he's he's not a typical thriller villain. He's a very Vince Flynn thriller villain. Oh yes, for sure. Because he's an operative. Sure. He's a political hack. He's he like rigs campaigns and public media. You know, 
performances. Like, yeah, Stu Garrett, baby. All right. So my next one, I guess you could probably, maybe it's a little bit of a cheat because I know what happens in the next book, which is, I guess, not a Vince Lynn book, but Joe Rickman. Whoa. Like this character is just such an awesome freaking character. Whoa. And the heel turn we get of, I, I, I guess, I guess is, that, is, is, that a, is that a problem? That like, we get this amazing heel turn in, in the, in, the last man, but then again, the heel turn we get in the survivor. It pays off in the survivor, a, but that's not a Vincent book. No, it pays um, off. I don't know the groundwork that Vince laid with this character in the last man. To me, I don't know. He's just he's this guy's part of the CIA, part of the institution, but he's so jaded. Right, he feels so betrayed that he turns on Irene on Mitch. And it's personal. He makes it personal. Right. You know, in, in the rest of them, it's about America. You know, it's about what America represents. But in this in this case, it is specifically Mitch. It is specifically Irene. Okay. And he does things to, you know, like I remember reading that part where, I guess this is in The Survivor. Where, no, it's in The Survivor or Last Man, where he has him go to London and he knows that like, or no, the guy in Afghanistan right. where... He has enough time to get the guy out, but the, he knows the guy won't come out. And like literally, Just this is guy so far Mitch. so far down on the totem pole that like, why would he release the information with him? But Mitch knows him and likes this guy. Yep, it gets personal. Like Hurley said, don't make it personal. Joe Rickman from the grave makes it personal. Makes it personal. Yes, dude. No, that's in the last minute. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's a good one. But Joe Rickman does not make my top five, nor does he oh. make my honorable mentions. Wow. I yeah, he's good, but can I say he's one of Vince's best villains? I don't think so. He's they so were some complex though. Yeah, yeah, he was. Okay. My favorite part about him was that he was one of the first, even as an older guy, was one of the first on the ground in the war in Afghanistan. Like he was going out there in village garb riding, riding on horseback, horses. giving out money yeah. to the elders like that kind of stuff makes me love Rickman. But again, that was like two sentences just of his backstory. So, yeah. All right. I, I see you. I see you. I I gave the third spot to Rafik. Rafik Aziz. Okay. He's up there for me. I think deserve top three. I w- was considering higher, actually, to be honest with you. Really? Um, but I didn't do it. Which means... I think both you and I in our in our top couple of spots here might have some similar names, people we haven't used yet. All right, so I had to put Hank Clark in the top. Oh. So number two, Hank Clark. Honestly, one of the best villains. Obviously, I'm ranking him as number two, but this guy is super complex. I love his backstory. This guy rags to riches. He's super manipulative. And, you know, the stuff he does with both, you know, convincing the congressman and then he throws the congressman out the window and then manipulating Peter Cameron. I don't know. Like, this snake. I would love to see He's a snake. Uh, Hank Clark like character in the future in one of Kyle's books. Yeah, I would too. I think he needs it. Uh, the cooks, you could argue. Uh, yeah, no, close. that's that's what I was thinking. Like the, yeah. the cooks are coming to be like that, right? I actually wanted them to be like that, and I think he's going to flesh them out more, and they will be. And again, they have to be multiple books to really be like you can't say 
Power Station Total Power would be one of Kyle's best villains. Or you can't say uh, Lethal Agent, you know. Uh, well, the, actually, no. The terrorist. Saeed Halabi, I think, was around multiple books. No, see, he's in, that's the thing, he's in the one, he's a continuation from right. one of the ones we're about to get to. True. So I, I do think Halabi is a good character. But basically, there are some that just have a one book story arc, and I don't think they can make a top list like this. So we yeah. need we need the cooks again, is what I'm saying. Like, we need to see them long term. They're a long game, like a Hank Clark. All right. All right, hold up. If Hank Clark is your number two, your number one's got to be Louis Gould. Oh, yeah. I mean, who who couldn't put Louis Gould as the number one? Who, who's who's your number two? Well, number two? I reverse them. I got oh, Louis Gould okay. number two. Okay, you got Louis Gould number two. Okay. Hank Clark number one. All right, so um, first give me why you're, you put Louis Gould as number two, and then I'll, I'll talk about Louis Gould too, and then you can finish up with Clark. Okay, it, it was it was tight. And Louis Gould obviously is just you. You hate his guts, right? Personally, like he's not a dude you'd want to no, grab a yeah, beer with, kick back, and hang out. Like he abuses his wife mentally. Um, does he physically? I'm not sure, but might be physically. Maybe, yeah. He berates her over the pregnancy, right? Like saying you got pregnant without me wanting to because you wanted it, and she's like, "No, I didn't. It just happened." Like he is an utter just douchebag. But he's crafted so well, you know people. Like, there's a guy in high school who acted that way. Everybody knows a douche like Louis Gould, but Louis Gould also has the skills. So usually... Yeah, no, that's what's, what's like, interesting about him. Right. He's actually really good. Right, He's actually really good. Most of the guys that act like him aren't aren't that good or interesting. They think they are, but they're not. But he actually walks the walk a little bit. Exactly. And Makes him scary. Makes him very scary. Okay, here's why he's not one for me. All right, give it to me. I needed to respect what makes Vince Flynn Vince Flynn. And it's not a Vince Flynn book without a politician hooting and hollering in front of cameras, giving these speeches, going out in committee rooms, making a case, wanting the TV cameras on them, and then turning around and being a complete snake. It, that is Vince Flynn. Yes, Louis Gould, super assassin kind of guy, you know, you know, assassin for hire. Yes, that's Vince Flynn style. But what's really Vince Flynn style are these politicians. And so I think Hank Clark takes the cake for me because he just re- is representative of just an important part or what I see as a super important part of Vince's stamp on the genre, which is not just badass action, but really smart and with it political intrigue that works for the times. And I think like anyone can pick, you know, some terrorist from the Middle East to make as their main villain. But Vince actually makes it interesting by bringing in someone from home and 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 showing that, yeah, you know, not everyone who is maybe signing off on you know trying to help us win this war, win whatever, be whatever we're America is supposed to be, is actually looking out for America, you know, right. but is actually looking out for themselves. Right, so, right, right. yeah. No, it was tough. It, this was a really tough exercise. I tough. really enjoyed doing this today. Feel free to post your top five villains. We'd love to see it on the social media. Maybe we'll get something posted when this episode comes out. And feel free to chime in. We'd love to hear from you. But do you want to hear from perhaps, no, not perhaps, definitely the world's definitely, top Mitch definitely. Rap fan. Do you want to hear Ryan Steck's top five? 
Yeah, I've read this article, and then we can post the link to the article when we when we post this uh, this pod. But yeah, he has this article where he counts down. He did top ten. What book? What book do he do this when it came out though? And he actually by the so he did it over a number of months, and by the time he got to the final one, it was already the survivor. We already had Kyle. Oh, so okay. All right. He ended up so having this a top is the 10 definitive. List. Yep. Top ten list based on Vince, right? Based on all Vince books. Uh, number five, Al Yamani. That that's what I had. Right. I had Al Yamani in that five spot. But here we go. Number four, Hank Clark. Number four. Okay. Yeah, okay. He dropped him to number four. Number three, we didn't have on the list. Kareem. Extreme yeah. measures, pursuit of honor. He's I don't know. Again, he's a two book villain. Yeah. So that he's makes good. him a big player, but out of all the two book villains, he's the weakest. Right. And then I didn't like his second book that much. Like, Me neither. Right. Extreme Measures is a good book, but I think like the the fact that Pursuit of Honor is one of the least my least favorite books. Right. Like, and Hakeem. I end up liking Hakeem more in that book than Kareem. I know, so. exactly. I, I think more about Hakeem in that novel and obviously the whole Mike Nash storyline right. than I do the villain. Yeah, I think he agreed. I think it's hard for Kareem to crack top ten villains, even. But that's just no. Us. He he would be top ten. He would be top. You 10. think so? Okay. We we said a lot of names though on this pod that I think might be. We did. We did. Anyway, we'll have to we'll have to do this again when once we finish the series. I think Ryan's second an a, an argument could be made for that both you and I were wrong on our lists. I think you leaving him out and me putting him low. I think you can make an argument. We missed this one. Stu Garrett was number two. I think that's fair. I, the way he comes back into the series, I think putting two Stu books, Garrett. I, and one of them is not even a Mitch book. Dude, I think he's that good of that role. And Vince wanted to basically show that kind of persona. Like, So I think that's a good move. He's not. I don't think he's better than Hank Clark. Like, he, true, he represents true, true, true. the same thing that Hank Clark is. And I think Hank Clark is better. He's he's definitely an honorable mention for me. You know, like, right. Same. Uh, Stu Garrett is he's a weasel. Awful weasel. Right. You know, but I think whatever, you know, if you had to think of these archetypes or character arcs, then Vince is trying to represent the same thing with both him and Clark, and Clark is the better version of that, I think. I think so, too. And then, number one for Ryan's deck, he had a tie. The two people who wounded Mitch Rapp the most, Rafik Aziz and Louis Gould. Hmm. All right, I, there's an All argument right. that to right. be made there. Yep. I mean, there's probably the two most iconic right. villains from this series. Exactly, so. exactly. That makes sense. And if you think about what they've taken from Mitch, because Rafik, he did plan the Lockerbie bombing. He was one of the masterminds right. yep. that killed Maureen. And Louis Gould, obviously, consent to kill with Anna. So, yeah, they both, um, in terms of hurting Mitch and impacting him. All right, got a couple of uh, superlatives here with villains. Do you want to do your honorable mentions first? Who didn't make the list that you also want to give a shout out to? Yeah, just, you know, we sort of were talking about it, but I think, uh, you know, Stuart Garrett, I really liked as a villain. Uh, Kareem, you know, he's definitely in the, I think he's in the top 10. And then some of these like sort of one-off kind of guys, like the, like you mentioned, the Gabriel Gazic or even uh, the Jabril Katabi. You know, they're they're cool characters. Um, yeah, 
I don't know some of the like the the, the non I guess the stateside villains we mentioned none none of the ones we didn't sorry none of the ones we mentioned that we didn't then bring up in our list I really cared about you know right yeah the only ones I would bring up like you said are Gazich Act of Treason I think General Durrani deserves a shout out if we're talking yes. ISI he plays that role perfectly and he's in bed with you know Joe Rickman. You can argue Joe Rickman couldn't have been as successful as he was without a Durrani helping out from Pakistan, who'd ultimately harbor him, you know, um, right. and do the uh, fake interrogation video scenes with him. So Durrani, good character, and didn't make my list, but really, really was pushing for a top five spot, Ben Friedman. He, he's very clearly sixth. I, like, I really like Ben yeah, Friedman. He should be there. Nice. No well, love for Victor, huh? No love for Victor? Nah, no love for Victor. All right, fair enough. I'm the only one. Yeah. All right, I got a couple of superlatives here, and I think All I know right, the answer to these. this first one. What's the villain you most want back or to see again oh, in the I novel? D- I just, well, he's dead. So I guess if, if they're dead already or not dead. Well, no, that dead if they could be written in in a like in between or spin off. Oh, like it's got to be. Rafiq. Yeah, of right. course. I want to know. I want to know that story. I guess the second thing would be, you know, how does Victor die? I want to see Mitch kill Victor because you know that happens. Right, right, right. He's obviously he's wounded at the end of Kill Shot, but you know we don't ever see uh, Mitch finish the job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I want to see that the scene where he. He gives him the scar. Um, I want to see, you know, what motivates him to then go on and take the White House. You know, like there's there's a lot there that I would love to see. So he's the one I, want, I most want back. Or how about this? Who is the best team of villains? If you had to name a Mitch Rap axis of evil, who kind of worked together, group of two or three, the best? This is tough. Mm. Probably like Ben Friedman and and David and Jabriel and David, yeah, and then also, yeah, no, those those two. I really like the conversation with Abel and Petrov trying to figure out mm. how to hire Louis Gould. They're like sipping on a bottle of something in like this Switzerland like uh, some chalet, Kirsch, like some Kirsch or something like that. Yeah, like he even picked up some stuff. Like that was an iconic conversation. Or some Hennessy, like cognac. I don't know. Yeah, they're totally nobody characters, but for some reason that conversation was kind of cool. But I I think I also liked, because American Assassin was really about Mitch and his training. It wasn't necessarily about some big, bad plot, you know, save the world. But at the same time, I thought the cast of characters in Beirut were the definite, like, axes of evil. You had Roddy, who I think is the one who gets his ear bitten off, or maybe... He spits at somebody in an interrogation. So Roddy's one of these guys. Uh, Syed. I feel like there was a whole crew of people in Beirut. Syed does the interrogations. I know that. Okay. Yeah, I feel like all that those Beirut characters made a good like gang of different factions and that they represented real-life factions like we talked to with Fred Burton. I thought that was a cool axis of evil he created that got at the landscape of the time period. Hezbollah well, and everyone. The Paul Cook, Max Vega, Paul Fournier, Samir, and Rafiq combo is right. You know, in Killshot, I 
that I liked that book more than you did. Meeting but, in the church. That was cool. Yeah, meet, the meeting in the church. and Although, like, we never really see their plan come to fruition, though. No. I, see, I thought they were kind of a weak cast of characters. Yeah, no, that I think about it. Like, they're, they're, each individually, they're, they're cool, like, interesting, but then they don't really get shit done. That Max Vega was just, like, a playboy who was, like... <laughs> A millionaire who's like he's, Fournier, he's there for the money. He I want because the money. Yeah, he he was a very weird weird guy. How about this one? The smartest or most cunning villain? Do you ha- you have to say Hank Clark? No, I think Joe Rickman. Joe Rickman. Yep, Joe Rickman. Good point. He Good he gets point. the best of him. He does. He does. Yeah, it's got to be Rickman. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think you can top you can top that one. Or who's the most badass villain? Like Bond villain kind of stuff. Just who gets just cool shit done. Bond villain? I would have to say Mustafa Yamani. Yamani, right. I think so too. Or Rafiq is a close second. Because, you know, you think of Bond villains, they're like someone who gets all the way almost to the very end and then and then Bond comes in and stops them. So like like Memorial Day is the perfect like Bond movie because right. the nuke is like making its way, and then Mitch comes into the very end and stops this plan that's been you know right. years in the making. You know, for some reason, I think of Pierce Brosnan when I think of Memorial Day. I I don't know why, <laughs> but Pierce Brosnan's Bond movies is like probably because of Goldeneye, I guess, right? Because they comes in at the very end and on a helicopter. That chopper, yeah, maybe that's why. I guess it's Goldeneye. I don't know. I That's just, when they come in with the like the 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 satellite, right? Right with Trevelyan and all that. Whatever yeah. his name was. That satellite is in Brazil or something? Or no, it is in Brazil. Brazil. I think or it's, it's in the south. It's in Costa Rica. It just broke. It just broke. It's in Costa Rica. Yeah, no, it's in, well, I don't know, but it's in. Let me. I gotta look this up. Is this somewhere Dominican Republic? But I yeah, I saw they were letting it fall into disrepair. It just collapsed for some reason. It's in Puerto Rico. It, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, it's in Puerto Rico. Because it's in the U.S. It, for some reason, anytime you take a thriller novel, and if I think of it as a movie, I just feel like it has the vibe of a Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. I don't know why. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, it's in Puerto Maybe Rico. it was the time it's period. In, Maybe it, it was reading fixed. these books in the 90s. Probably. Maybe that was it in the early 2000s. All right. Um, here we go. Which villain do you think Kyle Mills would most like to grab a beer with? <laughs> would Kyle like to grab a beer with? And you, you as well. I would love to pick the brain of Louis Gould. Absolutely. Just really like understand what's going through that fucked up sociopath mind of his. 100% with you. And then I'd want to kick his ass out back when he's super drunk. Like the... Well, we see him in Consent to Kill, and then Mitch lets him go, and then he pops back up in The Last Man. And, he, you know, we think he's actually, like, turned good because he goes to try to help Mitch, but no, it's actually just he tried to save his ass. And then at the very first second, he's going to try to he fucking kill Stan Hurley. Like, what a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> I can see Kyle throwing a few back with Ben Friedman. Oh, yeah. Would you want to get a beer with Victor? Mm, no. I don't want to see his face. 
After what he does in Kill Shot, I don't want to be near that guy. Civil Martini with Stu Garrett. You know what? I I would like to I would like to meet a Stu Garrett just to really assess how big of a prick they are. I, it's like they can't tell him you're an up and that. coming. Uh, you're going for governor in in New York, and you want to you want to you want him to tell you your chances. Because isn't there that scene where he, like meets with some guy from Indiana or Iowa? You're right. And he, like the guy has like a, a he like it, he, you really like see the inner workings of his mind and how he like thinks about these political strategy. And he's like this guy has like a bum nose and he's never gonna you know like right. So I want to hear that thought process. I want to watch him be a weasel. I just want to know if he's as big of a prick as he seems, if he is in real life. I feel like by the time you just pick out a beer and order it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, you're a douchebag. I'm yeah, leaving. You're a douche. <laughs> just based on what they order. Anyway, Vince's villains. Been fun. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good. All right, let us know your top five villains. We'd love to hear from it. We'll post on uh, on Insta. Our top five villains after we run this this pod. Yes, so. yes. All right. So next week we'll be coming to you with part one of Kyle's first full book, uh, Order to Kill. I started reading that as well, Mike. I'm really excited to talk about that with you. Um, we need to thank our patrons, our special operator Sherry F, our special agents George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. Find us at MitchRapPod.com or on Twitter and Insta. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Just a disclaimer, this podcast is not affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us the wonderful world of rap. And the music soundtrack is Guerrilla Tactics by Raphael Crooks.